Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to AOA. Thank you for joining us, letting us be part of your day. We always appreciate it. It's a beautiful day in Grand Island, Nebraska, day number two for Husker Harvest Days. I'm broadcasting from the Syngenta tent. Looks like it's going to be another uh, good day weather-wise. going to warm up this morning. The jacket has felt pretty good this morning, but uh, it's supposed to warm up today and really warm up quite a bit tomorrow. We'll talk more about that in just a few moments. So Husker Harvest Days, people enjoying the weather and getting out and looking around uh, the show site. Lots to see and do here at the Husker Harvest Days show. Uh, coming up today, we are going to talk markets with DTN lead analyst Todd Holtman. He is here at uh, Husker Harvest Days, will be joining us. We're going to talk with uh, Greg Anderson, Nebraska soybean farmer. He was here yesterday, saw him, and he's going to call in today. We're going to talk with him about um, his upcoming harvest, uh, how things look in, on his farm, talk about his work with biodiesel and the promotion that uh, he is involved in with that. And speaking of biofuels, we're going to talk with Jeff Cooper, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. Will this push for renewable aviation fuel be a boon to uh, biofuels like ethanol and biodiesel or not? There are some things being talked about and worked on in Washington that uh, kind of brings that into question, into some doubt. I want to get the very latest on that with Jeff Cooper coming up later in today's program. But we always start things off, whether at Farm Progress or at Husker Harvest Days, talking it over with Matt Youngman, National Events Manager for Farm Progress. And Matt, uh, a good opening day. Yeah, really, really good day. The weather was weather was just about perfect, and we're going to have a another perfect day today weather-wise. You know, really excited. Um, you know, if you look back at Farm Progress show and you get all the way through what looks like is going to be a great Husker Harvest Days, we're going to be able to run all six days of those two three-day shows according to what was printed in the show program, which is really kind of a feat that Mother Nature. Now, knock wood. I mean, yeah. it's, we're we're not even halfway through Husker, and I'm making that claim already. But you know, right now, everything is working perfectly. You know, the the alfalfa had 45 days of growth, and those alfalfa demos were amazing yesterday. And and you know, showing off the autonomy. You know, you just see it's it's fun for me to watch the autonomous machines run. And I've seen the autonomous machines run, so I like watching the people mm -hmm. watching an autonomous machine run because, you know, they're they're videoing it and they're poking at their buddy and can you believe this? And, you know, it's, it's pretty cool to witness all this stuff going on out in the fields. If indeed you do get three good days of weather here after three good days of weather in Decatur a couple of weeks ago. How often does that happen where you get six days in a, in a year? Not, like very, not very often. I'm yeah. Very, very rare. I know that it has happened. I've, I've, been, I've been doing this for 16 years, and I know that we've had a couple of years like that. But, um, gosh, you know, it, it is a lot more likely that at one point during the thing, at some point, Mother Nature is going to throw a monkey wrench into things. So, you know, we're just we're just thrilled with with how everything's come together, and and to have this kind of weather to celebrate everybody coming back together after a year off uh, has has really been been wonderful. Not a huge crowd yesterday, but a good crowd. A good Tuesday. You know, we 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 have kind of come to the place where we sort of can predict based on weather and based on markets and based on a number of things what a normal Tuesday and a normal Wednesday and a normal Thursday is going to look like at a Husker Harvest Days, and and. 
it wasn't it wasn't a giant it wasn't a record-breaking Tuesday but but a real good Tuesday and I keep using this analogy Tuesday is is like harvesting the first 40 acres of corn you know you have to <laughs> knock all the rust off and get everything shined up and get the machine running and Tuesday is perfect for that because it's about 30 percent of the crowd we're gonna have through the entirety of the thing 50 percent of them are gonna be here today 30 percent of them on Tuesday and about 20 percent of the crowd will be here on Thursday, but you know, having Tuesday to get get the machine, traffic, trash, bathroom cleaning, all the all the mechanics of making the show happen, gets all shined up on Tuesday, and it's ready and 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 not quite, you know, nobody's tired yet, so everybody's really ready for a great big crowd on Wednesday of the show, and that's that's what we've got. You know, you, you can already see here looking out in the streets that 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 the place is filling up nicely. Yeah, you can tell right now it's a bigger crowd than yesterday. Absolutely, yep, that's absolutely right. They don't. Um, you know, the sun comes up, for those of us in Illinois, the sun comes up late out here in, in Nebraska. And, and so, um, you know, the, the crowd is a lot more, kind of comes in a little bit more gently. But, you know, by, by noon we'll have this thing completely filled up, and I'm pretty excited to see those 1030 harvest demonstration crowds because it's going to be real good. I was going to ask you, what do you plan on doing out, out in the fields today? So we run combines at, at 1030 and then again at 1 o'clock. And in between we run the tillage tools. And then at 2 o'clock the haying demonstrations uh, will run and those the crowds just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger for those haying demonstrations in addition to that we have cattle handling demonstrations at 10 and 2 and in between those two demos we've got seminars beef production seminars going on in the livestock building and, and add to that the the constant autonomy demos and the horse training and the stock dogs that are herding ducks and sheep and cattle and you know it, it, there's just there's activity happening 360 degrees around around the show site. And those activities uh, are very popular out here, Ab aren't they? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, everybody's got their kind of their favorite thing to hit. And, and, you know, we have been talking all summer long thanks to Syngenta. And Syngenta Square, which is our beer garden, is, uh, you know, some of our staff spends a lot of time, quote, unquote, I'll give air quotes, say checking on the beer garden. But they're out there making sure that even the, the Syngenta beer garden is working perfectly. So you'll have uh, all your demonstrations going on today and again tomorrow, yep. right? Uh, again tomorrow, same schedule again tomorrow. You know, Thursday's always the day I tell my friends and family to come. It's going to be warmer tomorrow and a little bit breezy, but, uh, but that, nothing that's going to stop us from being able to do anything. Still going to be a real good, real good show. Uh, we opened up today at 8 o'clock. We'll do the same thing tomorrow. We close today at 5. Tomorrow we'll close at 4, give the exhibitors a little jump start on, on getting themselves home to their families. Um, you know, Wednesday is always seems to be the, the FFA day, and, and I should mention that uh, all these FFA kids got in here for free if they brought three canned food items. The, the food drive that we do in partnership with United Way and, and several other sponsors is the largest food drive that occurs in central Nebraska every year, and so the food pantries are going to get filled up thanks to these kids that are at the show today. And we've already seen quite a few of yeah, them. Absolutely <laughs> right. You can the see them in already. the you mentioned uh, being able to harvest here. It's just like if it's in Decatur or Boone, uh, you're hoping to harvest before anybody else in the area is. So yep. you uh, you plan for that, and that's that's worked out for you again here this year. Yeah, the Libby family, this is the 36th year that they've done the operations for, for Husker Harvest Days, and, and they have it down to absolutely a science. And, and they have more tools at their disposal than maybe David does in, in Decatur because they can turn the water on and off, you know, and, mm -hmm. and so... They 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 set up the harvest of the of the hay through the summer, so that th this crop has got 40 days of growth, and he just put six tenths, or in Nebraska they call it 60 hundredths because you know water's important enough they count it in hundredths here. Uh, he put 60 hundredths on it uh, Wednesday of last week, and it you know it just looks perfect, and 
99-day corn that they plant here for the field demonstrations is, is just right on. It's uh, 20... Uh, let's see, the tune-up corn is 22% and running about 215 to 225 for yield. So it's just, it's perfect. And, and as you mentioned, there are some years where uh, the combines are rolling when I'm coming out here, and that's a little unnerving. But it was real nice to see that the only field activity really that was happening anywhere along I-80 was either chopping corn or a little bit of seed corn happening. And so it's, you know, we're getting a good crowd just because of that. Worked out good. All right, Matt, have a great day too, and we'll wrap it up tomorrow. Wonderful. Thanks, Mike. All right, Matt Youngman, National Events Manager for Farm Progress. We're going to talk markets next. Todd Holtman with DTN is here at Husker Harvest Days, and he'll join us. We'll talk about markets next on AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we examine how the modern cooperative system solves today's biggest challenges. We'll be talking to CHS experts and farmers and ranchers just like you, and we'll learn how cooperatives apply innovation and technology to help co-op owners get more value every day. So join us for Around the Table every Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. About 80% of farmers use propane to dry their grain. If you're part of that 80%, you know a dryer filled with propane distributes heat and dries grain more evenly. With FS Propane, you can increase harvest quality, improve productivity, and lower fuel cost. Propane from FS ensures dependable supply. FS offers services and flexible, convenient payment programs to help keep your mind on your business while they manage your propane tank and supply. For grain drying, choose FS Propane. FS Propane brings the heat. These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online. I'll take dig a little, learn a lot for 30 bushels. Soft and crumbly. Tom. How does healthy soil feel to the touch? Correct. Dig a little for 40 bushels. Sweet and earthy. Tom. What does healthy soil smell like? Yes, go again. Dig a little for 50 bushels. Dark, porous, and alive. Tom. What does healthy soil look like? You win. Understanding the basics and benefits of healthy soil can make your farm a winner, too, through lower input costs, better yields, and drought protection, which can lead to a healthier bottom line for your business. Contact your local Natural Resources Conservation Service office today to find out how you can unlock the secrets in your soil 
This message brought to you by USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service and this radio station. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Day number two of Husker Harvest Days. The jacket's coming off. It's warming up here in Grand Island, Nebraska. And we're broadcasting from the Syngenta tent in just a moment. We're going to talk with DTN lead analyst Todd Holtman. You hear him often here on AOA. He's here at Husker Harvest Days. We're going to talk markets in just a moment. But when I'm first going to talk it over with Chris Munsterman, agronomy service representative for Syngenta. We want to talk about a big problem, corn rootworm. Some years more than others, perhaps, but it's always a challenge, and uh, you need to always be looking at your management options. And, and Chris, it's really time to be thinking already about management of corn rootworm for next year, right? That's correct. It's never too late to start planning ahead for those issues. We had a really heavy beetle flight and extended hatch this year in eastern Nebraska, the, the part of the state that I cover. So folks really need to be on guard for next year and making their plans and when they're ordering these new corn planters they need to plan ahead if they're going to be doing a lot of corn on corn they need to get s fitted for an insecticide delivery system because corn rootworm really can take a big bite out of your bottom line yeah it's estimated in the united states by purdue that usually maybe a billion dollars a year is lost due to corn rootworm and the, the problem is if you don't a lot of growers don't realize what's happening unless their corn falls over or some dramatic uh, visual evidence. And those uh, corn rootworm eggs, they overwinter. That's correct. And uh, we've been finding some extended diapause corn rootworm that can survive and take a year off in soybean stubble and be ready for that. So the key is scouting in July and August in your corn fields and surrounding bean fields to see if you see a lot of beetles flying around because you know they're laying eggs for next year. Mm -hmm. So what do you have at Syngenta Crop Protection uh, as far as uh, corn rootworm control? We have force brand insecticides we have both a granular and a liquid system so we can be flexible with however you like to apply your soil insecticides so when you think about the challenges of corn rootworm uh, I mean bad news is you've got a plan for it the good news is that you have the products the tools and the, for the toolbox to help fight it that's very very true but you have to have some planning ahead and what we've seen with equipment shortages and with all the COVID related issues, equipment manufacturers are running sometimes hand to mouth on hardware to get the soil insecticides applied. So it really is key if you're thinking about it to talk with your equipment dealers to get fixed up ready for it. Are we seeing rootworms build up resistance to any of the products? Uh, the perethroid class of insecticides, which is what force is in, we've had them over on the market for over 30 years and we've not seen any resistance now. The, the really the uh, sort of an elegant way we've dealt with that issue is whenever you're using forced soil insecticide, you're not treating the entire field. So there are some susceptible populations surviving in the middle, and we they breed, and that way their progeny the next year is susceptible to this class of insecticides. So be working now, planning now, to fight corn rootworm next year. Where can growers get more information? Syngenta.com, uh, force.com and just their local retailer will help guide them through any equipment logistics. Very good. Chris, thanks a lot. Thank you. That's Chris Munsterman, Agronomy Service Representative for 
Syngenta joining us here at Husker Harvest Days as we broadcast from the Syngenta tent. Just up the road from me a little bit is the DTN building, and uh, joining me now is Todd Holtman, DTN lead analyst. Good to see you. Thank you, Mike. Uh, welcome to Husker Country. Thank nice you. Nice to have you here. Good to be here, and uh, we were talking about the markets. It's been kind of a quiet week so far, but we did have some news today, a cancellation. Yeah, about 12 million bushels of soybeans canceled. Uh, most of that uh, was unknown in China, which we kind of assume is all China. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but honestly, I, I think it's an admiration. I just don't see any big reason for it. There's still a huge need for soybeans in China. Their prices are still near their highest of the year, which tells me that uh, they're going to be buying a lot more. So I, I don't quite understand the cancellation today, but uh, you know, sometimes they do play games with the markets. <laughs> yeah, th they've been known to do that. Yeah. Uh, other than that cancellation, how is business looking? It's doing uh, very well. This may be one of the most bullish scenarios I've seen for soybeans in the fall month of the year in a long time. And, of course, last year was uh, a bit of a big surprise how we just got a big wave of uh, export sales in both corn and beans. This year, I think uh, it's, it's uh, the rabbit's much more out of the hat in terms of we understand that China has big production deficits. They're just not coming up with the feed grain that they need. And uh, their economy keeps growing leaps and bounds and uh, is doing well again this year despite all the COVID headlines mm -hmm. and work closures and problems that we hear. Uh, th their economy is still doing very well. And best we can tell that, that soybean demand just has not slowed down a bit even after having another record harvest from Brazil. What were your takeaways from the September crop report? Uh, well, first of all, I was relieved that the uh, increase in corn acres was not more than 600,000. Uh, the FSA plantings uh, caused me a little concern in, in the estimate that was released Wednesday that it could have been as high as 2 million. So I'm glad it didn't uh, go that high. I was not surprised by the corn yield. I thought 176.3 is about right. Overall, I think a 15 billion bushel crop still is about the right number uh, to guess as we get to January. And uh, on the soybean side, even though those ending stocks estimates came up a little bit, it's still historically the second and third tightest situations we've seen in the past two decades. So uh, not much change really there on the soybean side. When you're talking with farmers, say at a show like here at Husker Harvest Days, what are they asking you about? What What's on their mind as far as wanting to know probably saying why are markets doing this or that or it's funny you ask that there is one question yesterday from the audience that really rattled me and I think people in the audience and it's been kind of in the back of a lot of our minds and that is what happens is if ASF comes to the US and yeah that's a big concern and that's a uh, potential one of those black swan possibilities uh, obviously uh, it's been very difficult to to control the spread of ASF, and uh, even though we have folks working very hard to uh, limit that and prevent that here in the U.S., that is probably uh, the biggest bearish possible game changer uh, out there. I can't say it's a high probability event right now, but it just reminds us about how much risk uh, we have. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, hopefully we won't ever have it, but uh, we've talked about this with other livestock diseases. I don't think the country as a whole understands the impact a major livestock disease outbreak would have. Yeah, uh, we have to go back a ways to remember the mad cow disease outbreak and, and uh, how re that really set things back for well over a year. Uh, and, and it takes time to heal from those situations. They're just, they're not easy to recover from. 
And, of course, uh, they have a lot more consequences beyond just the hog industry or the cattle right. industry. Uh, they, they certainly spill into our feed grain demand. So as we get into harvest now, we start getting actual numbers coming in. Do th will markets react much to what those reports look like or the all this kind of built in now? Yeah, I, thi I think there will, there will be some uh, jumpy days perhaps ahead, and uh, we'll find out where the spots really were good and uh, maybe where the spots were looking green but were not actually so good. And uh, I think a lot of uh, uh, the farming community out there that I talked to, uh, we have uh, concerns about, you know, are the test weights going to be there? We didn't have a very good pollination period. Um, sometimes th the crops look very green through summer in spite of not a lot of moisture, but how do they actually turn out in fall? So there are some questions ahead. But overall, in the big picture, as far as market prices go, I don't expect a big sticker shock coming. What are you hearing from farmers as far as how much they've sold already? Not so much around here. Uh, it's been fairly light, and of course, they're still stinging from last year, feeling that they sold too early, mm -hmm. and then the market uh, rallied uh, later. So Hard to get that out of your mind, isn't it? Absolutely, and <laughs> I think <laughs> they go to bed with it at night and wake up with it in the morning. It, it hurts. So... You and I talk a lot about this, this battle for acres that's coming down the yep. road. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because it's such an unusual situation to have strong prices across the board. All So you have different commodities competing for those acres. Yes. You know, other than the ethanol boom period when we really scrambled to increase the corn acres, I cannot think of a time in my career where we've had this strong of a demand outlook worldwide uh, for the crops we grow. And here in the U.S., we do not have a lot of ability to expand that production further. Yeah, it's not like South America. No, right. Brazil is really the only place that continues to feed the expansion in China. Without that, uh, uh, you know, China's really in, in dire straits. So uh, it's, it, it's a great time to own farmland. How's our planting? Yeah, and we're seeing prices yeah. reflect that. Yeah. How's the planting weather down in South America? Uh, early on, they are getting rains in the southern part of Brazil, but the rainy season has not started yet in central Brazil. Uh, the average for that is somewhere around the 26th of September, so uh, they, they still have a little time on their sides, but perhaps by early October they'll get going. I know you got to get going because you've got a seminar to give. Good to see you. Thanks a lot. Thank you much, Mike. DTN lead analyst Todd Holtman here at the Husker Harvest Days in Grand Island, Nebraska. We continue our broadcast from the Syngenta Tent. Back with much more. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Progressive Farmer knows you need content delivered on multiple platforms, so it's available when you want it. That's why we created our weekly podcast, Field Posts, to bring you convenient and easy-to-listen-to interviews on key topics and trends. Join me, Sarah Mock, as I interview some of agriculture's best thoughts. You'll have a front-row seat to learn what's happening in agriculture today. You can view our library of podcasts and upcoming topics by going to dtnpf.com backslash field posts. These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. 
That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. You're listening to AOA. I'm Kirsten Rawl, broadcasting from the Big Iron Farm Show in Fargo, North Dakota. Wheat futures under heavy selling pressure in the past few weeks rebounded on Tuesday, aided by falling crop estimate stats from Canada and the French Farm Ministry. Corn also took some gains helped by wheat. This morning, mostly higher futures on the Board of Trade. December corn is trading seven cents higher at 527 and a fraction. The March contract up six and a fraction at 534 and a half cent. For soybeans, the November contract up a penny at 1283 and a half cent. The January contract up a penny at 1292 and three quarters. For wheat, Chicago wheat December trading two and a fraction higher at 703. Kansas City wheat December up four and a fraction at 706. Minneapolis spring wheat December up three and a half cent at 890 and three quarters. The March contract up three and a half cent at 8.79 and three quarters. In cash cattle country, it's slow to start this morning, but packer inquiry should improve as we move through the day. Asking prices are around $125 plus in the south and still not established in the north. So far, bids remain very scarce. Beef cutouts are expected to be lower with light to moderate box movement. Looking at live cattle futures on the Board of Trade, the October contract trading 10 cents lower at 124.02, the December contract down 10 at 129.55. For feeder cattle, September down 2 cents at 155.25, October $1.12 lower at 157.02. Looking at lean hog futures, the October contract up 97 at 81.35, December up 10 cents at 72.27. In the outside markets, the Dow is up 50 points, the Nasdaq composite down 34, the S&P 500 up 3. Crude oil in New York, the October contract up $2.36 at $72.82 per barrel. The U.S. dollar index is trending lower. Again, I'm Kirsten Raw, broadcasting from the Big Iron Farm Show in Fargo, North Dakota. You're listening to AOA. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor, restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Day number two of Husker Harvest Days in Grand Island, Nebraska, as we broadcast from the Syngenta tent. Earlier, Matt Youngman told us this is FFA day at the show. I believe it. I mean, the, the Syngenta tent is full of FFAers coming through right now. So um, 
talking now with T.J. Benz, agronomy service representative for Syngenta. The average age in this tent went way down. Tested a little bit from what we had yesterday. Didn't <laughs> good to see them here, and they're having a good time at Husker Harvest Days. All right, TJ, I want to talk with you real quick about uh, um, weed pressures and early fighting those early season weeds and how they impact uh, your yields down the road. And we talk about this, I think, every year, but it's more and more important. You've got to get off to a good start in your weed control program, right? Yeah, you really do, just because that weed is competing with that corn as soon as it, or any crop really, as soon as it comes out of the ground. The impacts we have on those small corn plants is going to be bigger than if they're larger. So making sure we don't have any weeds out there to begin with when that corn's small is very, very important. Because those early season weeds, if they get established, they are going to alter the plant growth. Yeah, they will. They'll actually change the leaf orientation, so it'll actually orientate down the rows opposed to across the rows, just trying to catch that sunlight that's coming down. So what are you suggesting? What are some really key weed management principles? What's some strategy for growers to consider next year? Yeah, so start without any weeds out there, and then start layering your herbicide. Layer your residual herbicide. So my goal is, I tell everybody, my goal is, is I don't want them to see a weed all year long. I know that's not attainable in a lot of situations, but, you know, put some on at planting. And then we do a lot of stuff as calendar date treatments. So instead of waiting for things to break, we'll sit there and say 21 to 25 days later, we'll go put another layer of herbicide down to keep more from coming out of the ground. Resistance has become a huge issue in recent years. How do farmers deal with that? So when we sit there and talk about resistance, we need to think about what we're doing and use multiple effective sites of action. So something that will control the weed by itself, but use multiple ones of those at a time. Um, the other thing is, is we sit there and think about resistance. Most of the herbicide families or the herbicide groups that we're dealing with, with that we're seeing resistance to is only resistant to a post application. So once the weed is out of the ground, um, a lot of these products, if they do have residual with them too, they will still control that weed pre-emerge. So that's important to remember that control the seed, not the weed. Let's, uh, let's talk about uh, corn herbicides and what do you recommend for season-long weed control? So season-long weed control, um, same thing. It depends on what you're dealing with. So we have a product called Acuron Herbicide and we can use it in multiple different ways. We can use it as a full rate pre-emerge as long as you're in a situation where you have low, low densities of weed pressure. Um, but we can also use that as an overlapping residual. So kind of like what we were talking about layering it, put a half of it down at planting or a, a portion of it up planting and then come back in at that 21, 25 days later to layer it out. So when they're in the combines this fall, uh, they can see what worked and what didn't work, and so now it's time to be thinking about next year. That's right, but also think about what it looked like while you were in the sprayer, too, because just because we're clean at harvest does not mean we were successful. We may have had to go in there and do a rescue treatment, and yes, we controlled those weeds. We didn't have them going back to seed, but they still had a pretty big impact on our crop growing throughout the growing season. And where can growers get more information? So they can go to Syngenta.com or FindMoreBushels.com. All right. Thank you. T.J. Benz, Agronomy Service Representative for Syngenta. We are broadcasting from the Syngenta tent here at Husker Harvest Days. Our line dropped out, so uh, we apologize for that. That happens from time to time, and especially when you're out uh, on location. But uh, I think we're back and doing good now. All that buildup for Greg Anderson, then, we, then I didn't get to talk with him right away. Greg, are you there? I am, Mike. Good morning. 
<laughs> well, yesterday I saw you here at Husker Harvest Days, and then uh, you had to get back home. But you had a busy day talking with folks about soybeans and biodiesel and a lot of different things. Really enjoy that, Mike. Just talking with farmers from all across the state and other states as well about renewable fuels, biodiesel, renewable diesel, and so forth. And just uh, some of the ways that the checkoff uh, dollars are invested in making uh, new uses, more demand for our product, and uh, we're seeing some very exciting times right now uh, in that regard. You have long been a promoter and a leader of, in promoting biodiesel. Uh, this, as you said, there are a lot of exciting opportunities now, but how concerned are you that the emphasis has moved kind of towards electric vehicles and some of those things rather than on, on things like biodiesel and the things that, uh, the fuel that we have in place right now in the industry, the infrastructure that can achieve these uh, climate goals that have been set? Well, electric vehicles are getting a lot of attention, and we even see uh, some electric vehicles out at the show site at Husker Harvest Days. And uh, we're looking at the growth of electric vehicles in certain uh, market segments. But, however, uh, when it comes to heavy-duty, uh, over-the-road, uh, heavy pulling, and certainly in agriculture, electrification is, is a long ways away, and I'm talking decades away, really. Uh, to be practical. We do have a solution right now for uh, cleaning the air, uh, reducing carbon, and that is the use of biodiesel and renewable diesel in existing engines, uh, diesel engines, with uh, really no modifications. It's a drop-in fuel that works beautifully, seamlessly, uh, reduces greenhouse gases, uh, pr provides the performance and everything uh, that is demanded of a hard-working diesel engine extends the engine life of those hard-working diesel engines, and that's really important as well. Uh, you know, so we're looking in agriculture, especially across, we, we see a lot of innovations, a lot of things such as autonomous vehicles uh, and things of that nature, uh, getting a, a bigger market share and more attention. But when it comes to liquid fuel and powering uh, our agriculture and our over-the-road trucks, uh, Biodiesel, renewable diesel is gaining uh, more and more attention because of the success that it's had and, and just the uh, certain uh, restrictions that some states put on cleaning up the air. They say, we got to do it now. We can't wait until uh, 30 or 40 years from now when electric vehicles may or even may not be available yet. Greg, you tell me now, you farm in eastern Nebraska. You tell me you're a few days away yet from harvest. I am, you know, and I'm probably about 10 days away. I, I was interested to see the USDA's crop progress report on Monday where 47% uh, of Nebraska soybeans are dropping leaves. That's ahead of the five-year average of 37%. Uh, and so as I noticed uh, on the drive uh, back yesterday from Husker Harvest Days, there were a couple of bean fields that had been taken out. Uh, by and large, though, it's we're probably the whole state's a good uh, 10 days away from really getting after it. Uh, the crop looks good. We've had some timely rains there in the month of August when the, the need for water was critical. Looks like the state average is pegged at about 59 bushels per acre. We'll take that if, and you know more if we can. We'll see how that works. But 69% of the state soybean crop is in that good to excellent stage, and, and that's a really a good uh, spot to be in this time of year. Well, I'll give you a call during harvest, okay? Do that, Mike. I'll give you an update and see what I find out there in the fields. Very good. Good to see you yesterday. Thanks for joining us today, Greg. Thank you, Mike. Take care. Nebraska soybean farmer 
Greg Anderson. All right, while we're talking soybeans, let's turn again to Chris Munsterman, Agronomy Service Representative for Syngenta. Let's talk soybeans and how soybean growers, Chris, how can they delay the development of weed resistance in their fields? What we like to do is start with a good solid pre-program with residuals and then as TJ said earlier in the broadcast, overlay some effective sites of activity on that uh, with another residual in your post application. Yeah, let's talk about uh, the advantages of having two effective sites of action uh, and how that pays off for soybean growers. Well, if I, I have a feeling if we would have focused on two effective sites of action 15 years ago, mm -hmm. we probably wouldn't be in the shape we're in now. Uh, we always learn hard lessons in agriculture, sadly, but having two effective sites of action means we're going to prolong the utility of probably both of those chemistries going forward. And that's what we need. We need to keep all the tools in our toolbox that we can. And the product you recommend? Is Tavium. Uh, it's a fairly new product for Syngenta. It is a mixture. It's Tavium with Vapor Grip Technologies, actually the proper name for it. It's a mixture of Esmetolachlor, our dual brands, with the approved dicamba formulation for over the top of Extend and Extend Flex soybeans. And what's the most effective way, let's talk more about that, the most effective way to use Tavium in 2022? 2022, we want to see people again stick with a solid pre-program. We have some products called Broadax, Boundary, Prefix, some good solid safe to the soybean crop pre-emerge products. And then we'd like to see this Tavium go on uh, before V4 soybeans. And where can they get more information? At us. Syngentaus.com.tavium. Fighting weeds is a constant battle, right? They never sleep and neither do the weeds. <laughs> All right. That is Chris Munsterman, Agronomy Service Representative for Syngenta. We want to thank him and uh, TJ Benz for joining us earlier. We'll be back with more from Husker Harvest Day. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. And in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility, 
Independence changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes, and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. Each and every day, DTN and Progressive Farmer editors are posting unique, original content to their website at dtnpf.com, bringing you the latest news and information you need for your day-to-day business decisions. Their award-winning newsroom covers markets, news, and weather, while also providing insights on crops, cattle, equipment technology, and more. You'll find innovative topics like, would you plant soybeans in December? Experiments look at the possibility of boosting yields with early planting. Want to save time? Learn how through autonomous machinery systems. Will there be a surge in feed prices in 2021? And what's today's weather forecast for my farm? The editors of DTN and Progressive Farmer are committed to delivering the essential intelligence farmers need every day to help your farm business be more efficient and profitable. Visit DTNPF.com today. These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. When it comes to squeezing the most fuel efficiency out of every gallon of diesel fuel, there's nothing better than Diesel X Gold from FS. Modern engines are designed with more power while preventing harmful emissions. Diesel X Gold keeps them operating that way. With its advanced detergent chemistry that keeps injectors operating like new, and its healthy dose of cetane improver that makes sure engines start quickly and combust fuel more completely. So count on Diesel X Gold from FS. Absolutely the best fuel to power and protect diesel engines. Visit GoFurtherWithFS.com for more information. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, Purdue Ag Economist Michael Langmeyer with the latest numbers from the Purdue CME Group Ag Economy Barometer. Been a while since we've been able to say this, but we actually saw the numbers improve slightly this month. The index has been relatively flat uh, the last three months. We were at 138 in August. That compares to 134 in July and 137 in June, so relatively flat. When you look at the two sub-indices, however, there was some improvement in the index of, of current conditions, and I think that can be explained in, in a couple different ways. First of all, crop prices have held fair, fairly steady in terms of the prospects for this fall, but as we get closer to harvest, if, if it looks like there's going to be a fairly good harvest, people get a little bit more optimistic, and so we may see some, you know, depending on, on, uh, on, on the yield projections, we may see some improvement as we move into the fall uh, based on, based on the potential crop yields. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, back here at Husker Harvest Days, day number two. We are at the uh, Syngenta tent. Good crowd turning out today for this middle day of the show. Uh, a lot of focus, though, a lot of attention what's going on back in Washington when it comes to taxes. There was an event held yesterday here at the Nebraska Farm Bureau building 
with uh, ag leaders and legislative leaders talking about uh, proposed tax changes and the concerns that uh, many in agriculture have about these uh, proposals that are out there. We'll talk more about those tomorrow. We'll talk with the Nebraska Farm Bureau president, and we'll talk with Zippy Duvall, president of the American Farm Bureau Federation. That's coming up on tomorrow's program. But something else we're watching right now, this um, promise or the uh, idea that going to renewable aviation fuel will be a boost to our biofuels industry. Well, even that is in question because of some of the things that are being proposed right now and worked on in Washington, D.C. So let's talk about that with Jeff Cooper, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. Jeff, good to talk with you. Uh, this, uh, this is supposedly good news, right, that we're going to this renewable aviation fuel, that could mean, as you've told us before, could be good news for ethanol, but what puts that now at risk? Well, thanks for having me this morning, Mike, and, and it is potentially good news that we are seeing so much focus and attention on introducing liquid biofuels into the aviation sector. Uh, we know that the aviation sector is a major source of greenhouse gas emissions, uh, so there is a lot of focus right now on, on how do we reduce emissions from commercial airlines and, and other uh, air travel. Uh, and really the most logical and the most economical way of doing that is going to be to blend liquid biofuels with jet fuel, conventional jet fuel, uh, to reduce emissions. And there are some ethanol to jet fuel technologies that are rapidly emerging and we're seeing better economics with those processes. Uh, and it could be a huge opportunity for the ethanol industry. That's a 30 billion gallon market just here in the U.S. when we talk about jet fuel. Um, but, you know, along with all the other things that we're watching in be uh, budget reconciliation, there is a tax credit uh, that the House Ways and Means Committee is developing around sustainable aviation fuels that would pay anything from $1.25 to $1.75 per gallon for sustainable aviation fuels that achieve a 50% greenhouse gas emissions reduction or better Com compared to, to uh, conventional jet fuels. So um, we are very keen on making sure that corn ethanol uh, qualifies as a uh, feedstock for sustainable aviation fuel and qualifies for that tax credit. And unfortunately, the language that's currently there would cut mm -hmm. corn ethanol and, in fact, it would also cut out uh, soybean-based uh, biodiesel or renewable diesel uh, from qualifying for that sustainable aviation fuel tax credit. So we're working very hard with the committee to try and right that ship and make sure that uh, uh, the fuels that are actually available in the marketplace today to help with SAF uh, would actually qualify for this tax credit. Yeah, this is huge. I mean, Secretary Vilsack's been touting this as a big boon to agriculture, right, the renewable aviation fuels, but you could get left out if this isn't fixed. Well, that's right, and, and we have heard lots of talk from this administration about um, the role for biofuels outside of light-duty transportation, outside of the motor vehicle market. You know, they talk about aviation, and they talk about marine fuel applications, and, and that all sounds great, and, and we absolutely agree that our producers and, and the existing fleet of biorefineries can serve those markets, uh, but it's going to take the right policy and, and the right signals to, to get us there and if we are somehow cut out of qualifying for this tax credit, uh, I, I think this is going to be another one of those tax credits that really doesn't do anything to drive the sort of behavior that, uh, that it is intended to. The administration just last week, Mike, uh, had a big event at the White House. We were part of that 
uh, where they announced the goal of reaching 3 billion gallons of sustainable aviation fuel by 2030. They're not going to get there without uh, allowing uh, ethanol and, and you know, crop-based biofuels to participate in this opportunity. Yeah, we get a lot of this right now where they dangle the possibility and uh, the, uh, the excitement of what could happen out there in front of agriculture, and then the details that go with it can take all that away. That's yeah. why you have to work so hard on these things. Well, well, that's right. And, and it, again, this all boils down to the carbon footprint analysis. And, and again, mm-hmm. to qualify for this tax credit, you have to show a 50% greenhouse gas reduction compared to jet fuel. Well, the Department of Energy and Harvard University and USDA themselves and others, they've all done analysis that shows corn ethanol is basically there. We're at a, a 45 to 50 to 55% greenhouse gas reduction. So we should qualify for this credit. But the legislative language that currently exists um, uses, references a method, a life cycle analysis method that was developed in Europe, for Pete's sake, uh, and uses data that's 10, 15 years old on corn ethanol and therefore comes up with a result that says, ah, corn ethanol is not good enough to meet that greenhouse gas threshold. We know that's ridiculous, and, and that's what we're trying to get fixed is, is the methodology that is used to calculate the carbon footprint. We'll watch that closely. And, Jeff, where are we? What's the latest on trying to make sure we can have E15 sales next summer? Well, you know, we we did suffer a a setback in in the courts. We had asked the D.C. Circuit Court to rehear the case and and revisit the decision that they put out on July 2nd that overturned the year-round E15 regulation. Uh, we heard from the court uh, last week that they have denied that petition for a rehearing. Uh, so now we're kind of back at square one. We've either got to get a legislative fix, uh, which is a is going to be a tall order, um, or we've got to go back to EPA and encourage the agency to find some alternative pathways of, of fixing this through regulatory means. And, and there are, we think, multiple ways of doing this. But the big question is, are they, you know, is EPA going to be sufficiently motivated uh, to resolve this problem before next summer? Yeah, those are big, huge issues and questions that are out there. Thanks for the update, Jeff. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Mike. Have a good one. Jeff, Jeff Cooper, President, CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. That wraps it up for today, day number two here at Husker Harvest Days. Back tomorrow, broadcasting from the Syngenta Tent here in Grand Island, Nebraska. Hope you'll join us on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines.